Let us open our Bibles to the 106th Psalm. Psalm 106. And let us worship the Lord with this psalm. The sweet psalmist of Israel, David, gave us most of the psalms, but this one is given by someone else, unless God blessed David to write this by way of prophecy. This psalm is clearly written by a man in captivity, along with the rest of the nation, because of what the 47th verse tells us, where it says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen, to give thanks unto thy holy name, and to triumph in thy praise. So this is after the sins of the nation, and God had scattered them, that the psalmist writes, Psalm 106, recounting the history of Israel, and then asking God to have mercy upon them once again. God's great mercy is going to be exalted. God's forgiveness is going to be exalted as he speaks of forgiving Israel over and over. This psalm is going to show us the folly of sin. You're going to read things that Israel did that inside we say, well, I would have never done that if I would have been part of Israel. Well, you've been blessed more abundantly than they, and we have sinned against the Lord ourselves in our lives, and so it fits us like it fits them. You're going to see in this psalm the reward for repentance, that God forgives when men cry unto Him, and you're going to see God's holy judgment when He casts off His people and despises them when they live foolishly and sinfully and rebelliously. Let's all stand together as we read Psalm 106 in unison to the God of heaven. Together, praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. They believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, 
but sent leanness into their soul. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan, and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb, and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents, and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them, to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also unto Baal Peor, and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in upon them. Then stood up Phinehas, and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness, unto all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen, and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works, and went a-whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times did he deliver them, But they provoked him with their counsel, and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And he remembered for them his covenant, and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God and gather us from among the heathen 
to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Amen and Amen. You may be seated. Let's briefly look at a few of these verses. The first verse, praise is appropriate for God's mercy. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. His mercy is not required because of our goodness. His mercy is not required because of any external being organization or body that demands it of him, nor is his mercy required of his own character. It's a gift in order to display his goodness to his people. And we should praise him for his mercy because that's why you're still alive and not in hell at this hour is by the mercy of God, not by your goodness and not by any other deliverance. In the second verse, it says we ought to declare God's works. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? That doesn't mean we give up and don't try. It just means that no matter how hard we try, we'll not be able to replay them all. We'll not be able to remember them all. Nor give proper credit to the God of heaven for what he has done. The third verse, which I will preach in the second service. Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. This is a summary of Psalm 15. This is the character of God's people. Blessed are they that keep judgment and he that doeth righteousness at all times. This is before the psalmist enters into a description of those who did not keep judgment and those who did not keep righteousness and therefore God judged them. But before he goes in to God's ferocious judgment against his own people, he points out there is blessing available to those who keep judgment and who do righteousness at all times. And that is my desire for myself, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, their spouses, this church. And I hope it's your desire to keep verse 3 of Psalm 106. It makes all the difference in the world if we live like Psalm 106 and verse 3, rather than what we're about to read. Blessed. Blessed. The God of heaven will bless this kind of a man that keeps judgment. He does what is right and fair with integrity and honesty always. And he that doeth righteousness at all times, he does what is good and right as defined by God always. Verse 5. That I may see the good of thy chosen. I want you to notice there's three clauses and they're all saying the same thing with different words. God bless me, in verse 4, so that I may do this, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. All three clauses are stating that a righteous man has as his ambition to be part of a church where he can contribute and worship together with others of like precious faith. That fifth verse is saying it three times. That I may see the good of thy chosen. He doesn't say that I may see thy good on me. That I may see thy good on thy chosen. Then he says that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. Not that I may rejoice in all thy goodness to me. But that I can rejoice as I see your blessing 
upon my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Then the third clause, that I may glory with thine inheritance. I don't want to glory in you by myself. I want to glory with your inheritance. This is the righteous. Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why do those some forsake the assembling of the saints together? Because first of all, they don't love God. Then they don't love, because this is the house of God, and this is where God is worshipped. Second, they have no love for God's children, proving the depravity and wickedness of their hearts. This is a wonderful attitude. David always had this attitude, even though I don't believe Psalm 106 was written by David, unless God gave him a prophetic gift to write as if he was in Babylon during the captivity that took place several hundred years later. But I want you to notice the character of a man that's blessed. He comes into God's house because he wants to participate in the worship of God with others. He wants to rejoice at the good things happening in their lives. He cares about the congregation. He cares about the team. He cares about the squad, the platoon, the brigade. He's not selfish about his own life. He's here because of others being here. And if you come in here and sit and you don't rejoice in the gladness that others have, and you don't want to glory with them toward the Lord, you're missing the character of a righteous man. You're too selfish. I don't care about your temperament. Your temperament stinks if it doesn't love the house of God and the worship of God with others. Don't fall back on your temperament. Get outside yourself and be like this man right here. If you don't like verse 5, then verses 6 through 46 are for you. And they're not pretty. Verse 8. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake. The only reason that God saved Israel at some times was for his own namesake. And the reasoning is found in the book of Exodus several times because God would reason and Moses would help God reason. Now this is what I want to get to in a moment. Moses would help God reason. Listen, if you kill the Israelites out here in the wilderness like you want to do, You know, right now you've just told me that you want to incinerate the whole nation. That's his church. He wants to burn up his church because they were rebelling and murmuring against him and committing idolatry. You know what? If you do that, the Egyptians are going to say, you weren't very much of a God after all. You couldn't even get your people to Canaan. You know what the Lord God Almighty would say? Moses, you have a good point. I won't do it. I'll take 40 years to kill them all. Truth. I will not kill them at once, lest the heathens say that I couldn't do it. They won't know what's happening, but for 40 years I'll drop every single one of this nation that's over the age of 20 except for Joshua and Caleb. So what did I want to call up this verse for? When you pray, you ask God to do it for His namesake. Now, there's other ways to pray, but this is part of holy reasoning in prayer. You ask God to magnify His name by doing the thing that you're asking Him to do. And you know, if you're asking Him to magnify His name for something that you have in your prayer, those prayers aren't going to be very carnally minded if you're asking Him to do it for His namesake. Because how does God get glory if you're just asking for something for you to consume on your lust? Verse 8, that's the one we just looked at. Verse 15, he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. What request is that? That is the request for quail. Right. 
Israel said, we're sick of this manna. Yeah, we know it's free. Yeah, we know it lands on our doorstep every night while we're sleeping. Yeah, we know it tastes like angel's food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're sick of it. We want meat. We want quail. So he sent them quail. But he sent leanness into their soul. You know the worst thing can happen to you? Is you're prosperous and rich in this world, but starving in your soul. He sent them the quail. He sent them the quail three feet deep as far as they could walk in a day's journey. They got out their bobcats and bulldozers and heaped it up into massive piles. And they jumped onto that that quail and started eating it without even giving God thanks. And his plague break in among them while they had it between their teeth. This is the God we worship. Are you thankful for lima beans, children? Are you thankful for spinach? Are you thankful for peas? Be thankful for all the good things God has given us. And brethren, when you ask for something from the Lord, make sure that you make it subservient and subordinate to the richness and fatness of your soul, or He can give you prosperity in the world and starve you in your soul. Look at that. He sent leanness into their soul. They asked for something. They got it. But do you know what they gave up in the exchange? A fat, prosperous, happy, fulfilled soul. Lord, save us and have mercy. Verse 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them because of their wickedness, had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Last Sunday I preached to you about Moses and Daniel, Noah, Job, and Samuel as being the great intercessors that they were. And here's an example of that man Moses who saved the whole nation by his intercessory praying for them. And parents, mothers, you can save your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren by praying for them like Moses prayed for the nation of Israel. Three million people preserved their lives because they had a faithful leader named Moses who prayed for them. Verse 25, But murmured in their tents. Here's one of their sins, murmuring. Complaining, whining, moaning, groaning. Let's be thankful. We are blessed abundantly by every measure. Natural, physical, spiritual, political, financial. We are blessed abundantly. Let's not murmur or complain. The Lord has been so good to us. Don't you murmur. Because they murmured in their tents. When you're murmuring at home, though your doors are closed and I can't hear you and the neighbors can't hear you, God hears you. You murmur in your vehicle, no one else can hear you, but God hears you. Even in their tents, He heard their murmuring. They were His chosen people. He had blessed them abundantly, and they had no right to murmur. Look at verse 31. we got to read verse 30. Because they joined themselves to Baal Peor in verse 28, and committed whoredom with the Moabites in verse 29. That's all to be understood there. Verse 30, then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. Phinehas didn't stand up and pray, and he didn't kneel down and pray. He stood up, grabbed himself a javelin, and went into a tent where a Moabite and an Israelite were committing whoredom, and he ran his javelin through both of them and made fornicating, whoremongering shish kebab. And there's a chapter in the Bible written about it called Numbers 25, and it's not in most Bible story books. 
But there were whoremongers in a tent and Phinehas stood up instead of these babies that were whining before the Lord. It wasn't time for a prayer meeting. It was time for action. And he grabbed a a javelin. The details are in Numbers 25. And he executed judgment and it stopped the plague. Because God loved that kind of action against sinfulness. Well, look at verse 31. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Do you want to know how to be justified in the sight of God? Make shish kebab of fornicators in your life. Stop fornicators. Look at that verse. It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It's no different about this text. Phinehas stood up, executed judgment, and it was counted to him for righteousness. In neither case did Abraham or Phinehas become righteous in the sight of God. It was counted to them for righteousness because they showed the righteous character that was already inside them by the gift of God. And I want you to remember this verse. When anybody tries to tell you that when Abraham believed God in Genesis 15, 6, that that changed his standing before God, they are wrong. And if they're right that in order to be saved, we all need to go out and find two fornicators and run a long pole through both of them. It just shows character by standing up against sin. Right. Verse 31. Turn to verse 33. Because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Do you know if we read the whole Bible, there is wisdom for us in the Bible. This verse gives us a little bit more information about why Moses in Numbers chapter 20 smote the rock instead of speaking to it. Right. They need Israel needed water. God told Moses, speak to the rock and water will come out of it. Well, Moses was irritated, so he smote the rock. Water came out. Results proved nothing. Right. The word of God proves everything. Amen. He sinned against God and God would not let Moses into the land of Canaan for the rest of his life, though he begged for it over and over. And I want us to notice two things. Children and church members. You can make parents and pastor provoked. They provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Which then tells me, as pastor and you as parents, don't let your children provoke you or your spouse or any other event in your life to where you would speak unadvisedly with your lips. For though God can recognize that you have a partial reason for doing so, it is insufficient to justify your failure. Right. You say that takes a whole lot of self-discipline because sometimes I want to cut loose and vent. Yes, I understand. I'm a father and a pastor. Moses vented by taking his rod and smiting that rock and he got water, but he never saw Canaan. He never entered Canaan to walk in the promised land. Let us be careful in provoking those over us, and let us be careful that when we're over others, that we do not let their foolishness cause us to speak unadvisedly with our lips. Parents, mothers and fathers, have you ever said anything about your children that was probably a little extreme because they provoked your anger? I'm glad I don't know anything about that. I speak as a fool. I know all about it. Verse 44. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. I love the word nevertheless right here. 
Because it is describing in the verses that went before it that he abhorred his own people. But it says, nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. When we cry unto the Lord, even if we've sinned horribly, he hears, he regards, and he has mercy. And he caused them to be pitied, even by the enemies that carried them captive. And he took care of them. So we come to the 48th verse after this horrible history of Israel and say, blessed. Now the God that we just read about in verses 6 through 46 is pretty hard, pretty harsh, pretty severe with sinners. But yet we come to the last verse, and this is where your heart better stop. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. He is to be blessed and praised because He is righteous and holy and just in everything He did to these rebellious people. And let all the people say, Amen. Because you better say Amen to this statement. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Though He did everything that is described in verses 6 through 46, He was holy and justified in doing so. Say Amen. To blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Praise ye the Lord. That is our God.